Good to be in church today. I had no idea last Sunday morning at this time I'd be back this Sunday morning. Um, God knew. <clears throat> I don't know, so uh, I'm sorry you all just have to put up with me, I guess, unless you want to put somebody else up here. It'd be all right with me. I was pretty satisfied back there. Um, is everybody enjoying the allergies? <laughs> Lord, have mercy. I believe it's worse this year than it's ever been. I, I should have carried a bottle of ranch dressing with me yesterday while I was mowing grass. I could have had a good salad. Take a swig now and then, you know, to really help. But uh, anyway, you just have to put up with it for a little while. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. God is good. All the time, God is good. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for his blessings. Um, just a quick update on Brother Ken. He's texted me this morning a time or two, two or three times, three or four times. But... Uh, He's still in Lynchburg General. They talked about putting him in a nursing home for a couple of days or else at home, and Sweetie wanted him at home, but Sweetie can't handle that man at home. I can tell you that right now. And uh, they've convinced him to keep him there until tomorrow, and then they'll take him to Charlottesville for consultation. Um, don't know when they will do surgery. There's no surgery, no cutting or anything been done incisions on his legs as yet because they're trying to wait for the swelling to go down and uh, can you operate until all that happens and of course the blisters are on his leg until they've gone down also so it'll be a, a, a trip for consultation I don't know whether they'll keep him up there send him back apparently they're probably going to send him back here to a to a place um, until all this happens so he can go back for surgery. So that's still up. We won't know that until tomorrow. Uh, so keep them in your prayers. Uh, he done a he done a super job of breaking it. If he's going to break it, he he done it right, I guess. Is it already in your bulletin that I heard the doctor tell the family that. In fact, the doctor was standing there with his hand on my shoulder, and he said, this is the worst one I've ever seen except what I saw in servicemen in, in the Army. He said, I've never seen anything this bad before. Um, it's like you take a, a stick and you hold it over here and you break the stick in two. You break it. But if you put enough pressure on that stick from each end to explode it, that's what he did. He didn't snap it. He put the pressure all straight down on it, and it exploded in his leg, and that's... That's what happened, and, and it's an explosion in there. So that's, that's what's going on. There's, as I said, there's been no surgery. They do have rods on his leg to stabilize it so it won't swing and break because he says he can feel bones moving when he tries to turn it a little bit. It's just crushing in there. And uh, I've never seen anybody in any more pain than he was in Monday evening, I don't think. Never seen any more than that, but... Uh, everybody give Denise a good hand, a good applause here this morning. 
this girl has put in countless hours uh, there um, on the place uh, at his house. And is the crew there putting a the roof on the building this morning? And uh, so they're down there today. She's got a construction crew to put the roof on. And uh, you said Sunday. I know it is, but the ox is in the mire. Sometimes we have to use common sense. And uh, so thank you, Denise. So you're going to give him a credit. I'm not. The phone calls The phone calls I was getting had a woman on the other end of the line, and it was not Jeff. You're right. Yeah, right. But uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. It's been an outpouring of, of, of prayers for him, and we thank the Lord for that. I don't know where to start. Does anybody believe in miracles? <laughs> you know, they only happen to people that believe. You can't, you can't get a miracle with unbelief. And I'm going to tell you something else. You may disagree with me, but doubt and unbelief is sin. Am I right? Say it loud enough, Brother King. Thank you. Doubt and unbelief is sin because Jesus supposedly took that away. And uh, we need to clean up the inside and make sure we don't doubt that we believe. And it's not something that is the end of the world. There is a reason for this. There was a reason for it. Jesus knew about it before it ever happened. He knew when he was born where he was going to be this morning. I fully believe that. I believe God knows everything. I'm crazy enough to believe the entire Bible. How about you? <laughs> let's, just, let's just lose our mind and pick up the mind of Christ. And then believe the Bible. Believe what he said. This Bible is the living word of God. It is the book that you have that you call a Bible. That is never dead. It's the only book you have on your shelf in your library, on your table or whatever that's, that's alive. This book is alive. Believe it. It's, it's much alive. I walked in Brother Willie Hatcher's house one time several years ago. I don't know where they eat uh, at, down there on the table because he had the kitchen table covered from one side to the other with a Bible here and a Bible there and a book over here and a Bible here and, and the whole table was covered. The man must stand up and eat. I don't reckon he can't sit down at the table. It wouldn't do him any good unless he's going to read the Bible. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's good to trust the Lord for everything. Some way or another, last Sunday night, as I was laying in bed after, after we'd had a great day in the Lord, these, this scripture came to my mind just very forcibly. Uh, and, and I thought, Lord, why, why do you want that? I'm supposed to teach Sunday school next Sunday. I'm not supposed to preach. I'm supposed to teach Sunday school. Uh, shoved that off on Brother Ron this morning, and he did a great job of teaching. He's a great teacher. He may tell you he's not, but he is. Uh, he's a good teacher. He's a good man. So uh, 
this, this scripture came to me, and, and I got to thinking about it, and I thought, well, this is something that happened between the resurrection and the ascension. There was a period in that, in that section of, of time there of about 50 days, I think. Am I right on that, Bible scholars? Yeah, Brother Willie's back again this morning. Thank you, Brother Willie. There's a period in there of about 50 days between the time that Easter morning or Christ arose and the time that he went back to heaven and gave the command to go to Jerusalem and tarry till you be endured with power from on high. So I go and I, I sit down by the bed and, and I begin to read this scripture. And it is alive. It's, it's a great scripture, wonderful scripture. And I'm going to the 21st chapter of John, and I didn't give it to the guys in the booth up there this morning, but uh, I know they're good at finding them anyway. But I'm going to the 21st chapter of St. John, which is the last chapter in his book. John was one of Christ's disciples that loved him, and Jesus seemed to love John. They loved each other. They were so close to Jesus that, uh, you know, their mother even went to Jesus and said, I want one of my sons to sit on one side of you and the other one to sit on the other side of you in heaven. She should have known that Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God, so that just leaves one side of him vacant, huh? I can figure that out uh, in a heartbeat. But Jesus said, that's not for me to decide. So that's another story another time. But nevertheless, John wrote these words, and uh, he knew about this because he was in the bunch. He said, after these things, starting at verse 1, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. I want to stop there for just a moment. Let's remember that the one that instigated this whole outfit and this whole scenario here was a man named Simon Peter. He was also the one that had just a few days before denied Jesus three times. He even used profane language. Apparently he cursed and said, I don't know this man. The damsel said, well, you're one of them. He said, no, I'm not. Well, you have an accent like him. You have to be one. No, I don't even know who he is. I don't know anything about him. Sometimes our accents deceive us, don't they? Uh, and, and they tell who we are. Most people can tell where I'm from by listening to me. I don't even want to listen to myself. I listened to one message I preached one time on a tape, and I've never listened to another one since then. I can't stand to hear myself talk. It doesn't sound the same here that it does when it's recorded and played back. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and, and I've told you this before, and I'll tell you just a little bit again. Uh, you know, I was at a, at a meeting one time in Miami, Florida, Miami Beach, at a school board meeting down there, and I went in this big auditorium. Uh, Brother Bobby, it was, it was huge. Well, it was Miami Beach Auditorium. You can imagine how large it is. It seats thousands, tens of thousands in there. So we go in this place, and 
there's 50 booths set up around the outside perimeter of it, and each one has a state that you go register in. And so I go to the girl at the first one, the information booth, and I say, pardon me, ma'am, could you tell me what? She said, the Virginia booth is in that far corner over there. I said, I didn't tell you where I was from. She said, you don't have to. Nobody talks like that unless they're from Virginia. I can't even talk somewhere or another and get by with it. They know who I am and where I'm from. But Simon Peter had denied the Lord three times at this particular incident. There were together, there were together Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee. Who were they? Thank you. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Anyone? Mama wants to sit on Jesus. And two other of his disciples. That comes to seven. Comes to about seven. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth, entered into a ship immediately. That night they caught nothing. But when the morning was come, was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Now I want to tell you, they had seen him since the resurrection. He wasn't a total stranger to him, but they were so tied up in what they were doing, they had left the presence of Jesus. Now stay with me for just a moment here. They had left the presence of the Almighty God. We have to be and should be within his presence to really recognize who he is and what he is and how he is. We cannot, we cannot know him unless we know him. Are you with me? We must know who he is, what he can do, before we can really realize he is the almighty Son of God. And so he's standing on the shore, and they don't recognize who he is. All right. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. They said, He said, Have you got? Now, children and lads were a familiar name or salutation to someone in those days, the Galileans. They called each other children, lads whatever like that. So he called them children. We are called children throughout the Bible. We are. I don't think we've ever gotten grown yet, have we? We're still growing. And they said, no. Uh, all right. That's bigger writing up there than what I'm reading here in Daniel. Thank you, guys. Go on to the next one. Let's keep going here. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in or draw it for the multitude of fishes. Do you think for one second these guys have been fishing all night long, throwing the net on the left side of the boat? I mean, I'm smart enough to know they probably threw it on both sides, front and the back, in the middle and everywhere else that night, and they couldn't catch a fish at all. You know why? Somebody else was guiding the fish. <laughs> Somebody else had the fish under control. So they, all right, let's go. So they, they said, no, we don't have. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, who was that? John, saith unto Peter, 
it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. I'm glad I wasn't in the boat. Anybody else with me on this? How would you like to have been in the boat fishing all night long with the old ruddy prune skinned guy with no clothes on and he's in the boat and you fishing with him? I think the first thing I would have done was throw him out of the boat, wouldn't you? But here he is in the boat fishing, no clothes on. Here's Jesus standing over there, but the only one that recognized him was the one that Jesus loved. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. Are you sure? He loves us because we know him and he knows us. He said unto them, Cast the net on the right side, ye shall find they cast therefore there. They were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, why don't they just call it, why didn't John just say, Therefore I, the one that Jesus loved, he's the one that's writing all this stuff, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord, cast into the sea, and the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubics, dragging their nets with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw five coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up, drew the net to the land, full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty-three, and I'm going to read on through this, and for all there were so many, yet not the net bro broken, was broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. We sing that old song so many times, Come and dine, Master calleth, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing it was the Lord? <laughs> Nobody had the nerve to say, Who are you? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after that he was risen from the dead. We'll get to the other part in just a moment. Jesus had the fish already caught, cleaned, and cooked. Folks, let me tell you this morning, there's nothing wrong with fishing. Eddie, can you say amen? Or are you asleep over there on me? There's nothing wrong with fishing. But if he calls you away from something that you are doing and says, follow me, and that was about the first words he ever spoke to Simon Peter, if you'll go back and look it up, when he found him fishing, he said, follow me. But if he tells you to leave something and follow him, and don't go back to that, it becomes wrong. Oh, how quiet it is in here right now. When we have been called away from the, from the cares and the sins and the things of this world, and we've been called away to follow him, 
we are supposed to listen to that calling and leave whatever that is and follow him. I could get real personal this morning. I don't know whether I should or not. Good Lord, that water tastes awful. I got to do that fountain over yonder. That's worse than that stuff Otis put in the water cooler. You see, sometimes the Lord has to change our life. We live, we live in something we call a sinful nature. We, we might tell a few little fibs once in a while. You know what they really are? Lies. We tell a few of them once in a while. But if Jesus calls us and says, follow me, we don't, we stop telling them, don't we, Tommy? Yeah, I like to see that guy sitting there. His wife gets him up and gets him to church. That's good. She needs a good hand for that. <laughs> if, 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 I've been, if I've been patronizing the package store, Okay, Wayne, stop meddling and go back to preaching. If I've been patronizing that, that store quite a bit with the brown paper, I don't know whether they still put it in the brown paper bags or not. I don't know. I've never have bought anything in there. And I hope nobody in here can tell me. If you do, I'm going to ask you how you know. So you better keep quiet. But if you've been fooling around with that stuff, you don't go back there after he says, follow me. He said, wine is a mark, a strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Leave it alone. If we are doing habits that harm our bodies, leave it alone. Your body is a temple of the living God. It is the temple that God lives in. Leave it alone and follow him. I need to get off of that. I think you get the picture. Ron English is teaching us in Sunday school, teaching us, oh, thank you. That one tastes better. Sure, that other one's awful. Somebody ought to clean that crock over there. But if, if we're doing these things, we've got to change our direction a little bit there. And so Peter is, has got a group together and gone out fishing. He was not supposed to be there. He had been called away from that to follow the Lord. Now the Lord is going to give him a little test in a, in a moment here. They make an out like they don't even recognize him. They knew who he was. After John told them, you can't tell me they didn't know. I feel like he had showed them his hands and his feet and his side, and they knew that this was the Lord. So he, 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 they get the fish, and they eat, the, they eat a lot of fish, didn't they? My Lord, Susie, that's about all they ate. I don't know whether the salmon or what you know. Some of that fish is pretty good eating. And Jesus gets Peter aside. I got to leave this other and get back to this. Jesus leaves Peter, leads Peter aside, and he said, Simon, 
And I'm going to paraphrase now. If you all want to put it up there, you can. You don't have to. He said, Simon, do you love me more than you love these? And he's talking about fish. Do you love me more than you love these fish? Because that's what you left and went back to doing. And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter has just denied the man three times. Simon Peter never quit following the Lord, but he's sure going to stumble more than one time in the process. And whoever, whomever, rather, is in here this morning that hasn't stumbled once in a while in the process, raise your hand. I want to see you. Nobody's perfect, huh? A couple stopped at the funeral home one evening. I've told some of you this one, too, that I was working up there, and it was... About three or four o'clock in the afternoon, and this couple car pulled up out front. Ralph and I were working. There was somebody in there that was dead. Of course, they weren't doing anything, but they they were laying back there in the room. And Ralph and I were sitting out outside there. And and this guy got out of the car, left his wife in it, and he comes to the door, and he opens the door and stuck his head in. And I went, of course, then I said, "Sir, could I help you?" I thought he wanted to come see whoever was there. He said, yes, I said, I just want to know, is this the road to Alta Vista? I said, yes, it is. You just keep going straight on down. I said, it's crooked for five miles, but after that, it'll do a little better for you. He said, well, thank you, sir. And he goes out, walks out about as far as, you know, maybe from me to Denise, and he turned around. And he said, hey, you might want to congratulate me. I said, uh, about what? He said, this is my wife and I's 50th anniversary today. We're celebrating our 50th anniversary. I said, well, congratulations. He said, we have never had a crossword. We have never disagreed. We have never had anything to come between us whatsoever. And I said, well, congratulations. So he turns and goes on to the car, and I hollered for Ref. I said, Ref, get out of here right quick, right quick. He comes running through the hall. He got there. I said, you see that guy getting in the car up there? He said, yeah. I said, he will lie like a dog. There ain't no two people on this earth that's ever lived together 50 years and didn't have a disagreement sometime in the bunch. Simon Peter had a few disagreements going along, but he was still a follower of Jesus. And Jesus said, do you love me more than these fish? Yeah, Lord, you know I do. He said, feed my lambs. I think I'm getting it in the right order. If I'm not, Brother King, you straighten me out. Please. Peter takes a couple more bites, picks out a few bones. And Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Well, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Well, feed my sheep. A few more bites. Jesus said, Simon, now that few more bites is not in your Bible, so quit looking for it. <laughs> Simon, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, then you feed my sheep. Again, feed my sheep two times. Feed my lambs, my children one time. Because a lot of us are children until we get old enough in the Lord to eat the meat of the word. 
and we're children. Some of us are 75 years old and still children. Huh? And Jesus said, well, you just feed my sheep and follow me. And Peter is not, a, well, Jesus gives him three times to forget the three times that he had denied the Lord. Three and three. I'll give you, you know, I'm going to give you a dose of your own medicine. I'll give you three times. But Peter is not satisfied with getting everything straight with the Lord and feeding the Lord. Well, what's John going to do then if I'm supposed to do that? Jesus said, they ain't none of your business. That's not in there either. But he said, if I will that he tarry or live till I come back, what is that to you or to thee? Follow thou me. Again, follow me, Peter. Forget about what Ben is going to do. Forget about what John is going to do. Get yourself right with me and follow me, and everything will be all right. Now, every once in a while, every once in a while, does anybody besides me ever get off track? One of you. We have to, every once in a while, we have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I messed up. Come on now. Help me just a little bit. I fully believe with all of my heart this morning that it's once in a while the Lord likes to hear us come to him and say, Lord, I need your help. I messed up a little bit. Will you forgive me? Will you take me back? Will you take away everything that's unlike you in my life and give me a clean, holy, pure life? We are living in the last days, folks. We're living in the last days. This world is wicked, wicked, wicked. This nation that we're living in right now, if my mama and daddy could come back now, and daddy just died in 1988, but if he could see the things that's going on right now today in government, he would not believe he was in the United States of America. We let people blow up our buildings, tear down our towers, do everything, kill our people, do everything else, and then elect them and send them to Congress to vote. And the scary part of it is there's enough people to support it and put them there. And our churches are the only thing we have left that's feeding the sheep and feeding the lambs. Our churches are the only thing, and some of them have gone sour also. I hate to say that, but I'm going to tell the truth. Sometimes, sometimes we need to have a little talk with Jesus. Sometimes we need to get on our face and say, when my past seems drear and nowhere else to go, I've got to turn to him. Sometimes we need to have a prayer with him, Brother Bobby, and get up off our knees and say, I know it is well with my soul. I know everything is all right with you, Lord, and I know I'm going to be fine. We're living in a time, we're living in a time right now that's scary. It is scary. And we need Jesus more than anything else. 
tastes like water. We have a pastor that's laying in the hospital this morning. We have a state overseer that's been through some, I call it major surgery. doing it to you, it's mine. If they're doing it to me, it's major. You got it? I mean, if they don't do nothing but cut my toenails off, that's major surgery. If they do it to you, it's minor. But we got an overseer that needs a touch from God. We're in this body. We're in the flesh. We are subject to the things of the world. Peter showed us that we could be subject to the things and the cares and the enticements of the world, but we could be brought back to Christ through Christ only. Not of our own doings, but of His. I said something last Sunday, and I didn't realize it was going to reflect maybe today. I said if everybody in this church building was filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire that we could pray people out of their wheelchairs, off their sick beds, pray them to see, pray them to hear, pray them to talk, pray all of this. All we need is a unity of the faith and the little word of there is a preposition in your Bible and that word means made from. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed them. All of this. All of this proves to me that we are never too far from the Lord, that he cannot and will not still love us. He loves us. He cares for us. And I know this morning as we're gathered in here, we're subdued because we have a problem. We have a problem that somebody else can solve for us. He can solve it for us. This Bible was written by, don't hold me to these figures perfectly, because when you get as old as I am, you can't remember where you are and where you're going. I think it's 40 writers in this Bible, 40 different writers over a period of about 1,600 years. Of course, they didn't all know each other. Some of them did. But how could they have known each other in a period of 1,600 years? They wrote this book. It was put together. Some people are going to argue and argue and argue and nitpick and everything else over this version, that version, the other version of who, who done this and who done that. I don't care who done what. I read the book. I got a blessing out of reading the book. I saw enough in the book to convict me with him. I see enough in the book to keep me going right and to tell me right from wrong. And I see enough in the book to let me know that he's coming back. And I see enough in that book, whomever wrote that and put that one together, that it corresponds with what I feel and what he does. That I know that that's all I need. I, I don't care how many more whatever's you want to get, the Greeks and the all and, and all this. I'm not Greek. You don't have to tell me that. I'm not Greek. I'm something other. 
enough in there to let me know who I am and where I'm standing. And that's all I need. That's all I need. So today, as we gather in this building, yes, it's hard to, it's hard to preach this morning. I've seen things, I've been through things. You see, you see our, 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 all of our time does not go for the good. Sometimes we waste time. I was on the General Assembly several years ago. In this General Assembly in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Arlene's brother and I were there. We went that year uh, together. She didn't go and his wife didn't go, but we went to the assembly. And they had it in Memorial Auditorium, Cleveland, Tennessee. Chattanooga, Tennessee, I mean. And we were sitting in the balcony the night of the healing service. We don't about quit having healing services anymore. It's bad for me to say this, but it got so... Wanted as much healing done as ought to be. It's all right to go there, Brother Bob. When you don't get something done, sometimes you just give up and try something else. I'm not against doctors. Come on. I go to doctors. I'm not against that. I think they do some things that are possible. And I think that's going to happen to their pastor. They're going to do things that are possible. But there's one part of it that's impossible for them. And he's going to have to do it if it's done. He's going to have to do it if it's done. But we was in that building that night, and I saw this man come in the back of Memorial Auditorium. We were in the balcony. We were up pretty high and looking. We were on the front row and looking right down on it. And I saw this man come down the aisle in this wheelchair. He was moving it along pretty good. And all of a sudden, as a feeling came over me, just like, you know, you felt like you was right in the presence of God. And I just looked at Donald. I said, that man's going to get healed. I wasn't, I wasn't down there touching him, praying for him. It wasn't me. It wasn't my prayer. He wheeled up there. The, the balcony in that platform, the balcony in that auditorium is probably up this high, about double what ours is right here. And no banister on top. He rolled up to the front of that. Prayer line was down there. All of a sudden, as they were praying for him, he came out of that wheelchair, picked that thing up, folded it up, and threw it up on the balcony and ran back down the aisle out of that building. You say, I don't believe that. That is not the first one I have seen do that. That's not the first time I've seen say that doesn't happen now. I had an article a few years ago that some theologians wrote and said we don't need that in these days. We have our doctors and we have all of this and we don't need that healing anymore. You can tell somebody else that if you want to. I can tell you right now, I need him. Oh, I need him. 
how much I need him. Every hour I need him. I need my Jesus this morning to touch me. We need to get to the point that we can touch him and know that he's going to answer for us. Know that he's going to answer for us. Oh, Ron was teaching. I left that while ago. Ron coming back to me. Oh, Ron was teaching this morning and the other Sunday talk on wisdom and knowledge. There's a difference in wisdom and knowledge. And I told him that knowledge, that when the preacher had enough knowledge and information to preach for two hours, the wisdom was when he had sense enough to pull it up. Women, men that wisdom overrides Caesar sometimes. I know this church pretty well. But I would like, I would like this, this sound to play. I like this form of change in the parameter this morning. We got one in a we got one in a wheelchair sitting right here this morning. Miracles are not impossible. Miracles are not impossible. This chain may not be able, you may not be able to get it together all the way around. I understand that. But I still believe we can pray. Wherever we are, we can pray. You see, I never have prayed out loud before. I had a lady. Tell me one time, she said, I don't know how people do. Pray in your church. She said, y'all praying out loud. She says, how does God hear all of you at one time? I said, let me ask you something, ma'am. I said, how many churches you think is having service on Sunday morning about the same time in the world? I said, if anybody one praying in each one of them churches, there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of them around the world praying. I said, he can hear it all right. He can get it all right. He's not, he's not impossible. We're trusting him this morning. We're putting our faith in him. Let's go to him in prayer. He said, I don't know how to pray. Pray like you talk to me. Pray like you talk to your husband or your wife. Lord, I've got a friend this morning that needs healing. I want you to touch him wherever he is. I want you to touch him, Lord. Let him feel you. Let him know that you're there. Let him know that you're going to answer that prayer. Touch him this morning.